S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Semi Rye coming in this week with that podcast, Semi Rye. Pardon me, I might be a little under the weather. I'm not feeling too great. Um, but I still wanted to go ahead and talk about a lot of exciting things that happened. Number one, the biggest sale in, I think, in, in media ever, right? Um, the biggest sale in the industry just went down last week where Take-Two Entertainment, um, people who own Grand Theft Auto, they purchased Farmville or Zenga, which is the company that makes Farmville, a mobile game, for $13 billion dollars. And no one's talking about it, which is blows my mind, right? Like, you see, if we all remember when someone bought Star Wars, when Disney bought Star Wars, they bought it for $4 billion. At the time, that was, like, the largest sale ever. And I think it made sense because everyone knows Star Wars. They understand Star Wars. And it made it seem like Star Wars is just, like, the most valuable thing in the world, right? I mean, they have video games. They have toys. They have clothes, they have obviously the movies, cartoons, so you can think if Disney bought that, that, you know, they're going to make that money back over time, and I think it took them six years to make back that $4 billion, um, and now they're going to keep making money just forever, right, I guess you think every six years they make another $4 billion off of it forever, um, and that's just a huge deal for Disney. Um, then there was some talk, a lot of press for a sale that never happened when Disney was trying to buy Spider-Man, or at least supposedly looking into it. And Spider-Man, just him and his characters, was rumored to be of value at $6 billion. And I thought that was amazing because I, I like Spider-Man. But I didn't think that on paper that he'd be worth more than, than the entire Star Wars property. All the characters in Star Wars, all the different kind of things you could do with Star Wars. I mean, with Spider-Man, if you're making a video game for him, usually you get like one game every two or three years. But with Star Wars, you could do like three or four games a year. You, you know, you could have the pod racing games. You could have the... The games that are flying the ships. You can have a game with Jedi. You can do so many different things. But um, apparently, you know, Spider-Man was worth more, right? So that didn't happen. That sale didn't go through. And then when I hear, when I open up my phone, and I see that Take-Two Interactive bought Farmville for $13 billion. And then, like, no one's talking about it. I, I really don't understand how that happens. And the most interesting thing is I don't think people ever stop to really realize how much money some of these things are making. Like, Star Wars, it's obvious Star Wars makes money, right? We all realize Star Wars makes money. But I was not aware of how much money Farmville was making still. I mean, I think Farmville, I came across Farmville about six or seven years ago. And it's a cell phone game, but there's been lots of other cell phone games that have come out since then. If you look at, like, the Play Store, you see, like, the top grossing games. I'm sure it must be up there a lot. Um, I did play it once or twice, and it, it seemed okay. But, you know, on this podcast, when I talk about art and business, it's interesting because I, I, I write the Neochrome universe. That's my, my chrome reality is a story that I'm developing. And I used to joke that I wanted to sell it for more than Star Wars because I, was, I believed in the property so much. I said, one day I'm going to sell this thing for like $7 billion, or actually like $5 billion, right? And then when I heard Spider-Man was worth six, I was like, what well, I got to sell? I got to sell Neochrome for seven. Then that's, that's you know, it's, it's, it's the best thing ever, right? Because I'm happy with, what, you know, my, my creation. But then when I hear that Farmville was worth $13 billion, that was a number where I had to step back and say, oof, is Neochrome worth $14 billion? How can I justify that to myself? And it's funny because it's just a dream in your head. But that number is so large that even in my dreams, I'm like, oh, man. But if you're the maker of Farmville, if you set out to make a game 
and you thought, yeah, it's going to be a game where you can farm and then, like, trade things with your friends that you farmed. I don't know if they ever realized when they started out how successful they would be. But if someone, if you said, I'm making a farm game and one day I want to sell it for, you know, three times the amount the Star Wars sold for, no one would ever believe you. No one would believe in that dream. <laughs> like, who believes in that dream, right? But they did. I don't know if they, I don't even know, honestly, in their wildest dreams, if they could actually think that they were going to sell it for that much. But that is amazing. Um, that is a monumental deal. And I think it really stops and makes you look at everything that you're doing and wonder, you know, why put a cap on your dreams? Why say this is the mark? This is where it's going to stop or this is what the value is? Where obviously these things can go way beyond anything that you that you ever wanted. Um, as long as you obviously work at it and you try hard, it could be whatever you want it to be. And I think there's something that, you know, we do, I think we always do it, we put caps on our dreams to avoid judgment, right? I, I know for myself, I never walked around telling everybody that I wanted to, um, you know, sell Neochrome one day for $5 billion um, because it sounds crazy. I know, I know it sounds crazy. I'm self-aware enough to realize that people might say that's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, I was reading, I'm reading, um, or I'm listening to the audio book called Total Recall. Um, written by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, I'm actually listening to clips of it on this YouTube channel called Best Book Bits. Uh, Best Book Bits. And they have a summary of Total Recall. Um, and it's it's really good. It's like 30 minutes long. And one of the things Arnold talks about that I thought was great was he talks about when he was in Austria, how he wanted to come to America. And when he realized he wanted to come to America, that was all his dream was. He didn't know he wanted to be a bodybuilder. He didn't know he wanted to be an actor. He just felt in his whole heart that he belonged in America. And that's where he would find some some kind of success. And he used to tell everyone about it. He would tell all of his friends about it. He said it got to the point where people just literally treated him like he was weird. They all thought he was weird, that he was like obsessed with America. And, you know, he said, and I, I didn't, he told everyone, he, did, he said, I didn't care. I still told everyone. I still talked about it all the time. And, you know, the history has shown Arnold is now Arnold, right? And even when he was in America and he talks about a lot of the deals and stuff, he had a lot of adversity to deal with because he wasn't the typical, you know, actor. He wasn't the typical star. Um, he, he Keeping his name Arnold Schwarzenegger, people thought that was a bad idea for him. You know, all of his people that he worked with on his team thought that was a bad idea. Um, him being so big, they thought he couldn't be a leading man. They told him all these things. And he constantly talked about how he wanted to do these things. And he didn't care. He just said, this is what I want to do. And he chased all those things. And he put in a lot, a lot of hard work. That's, it's not just talking about it. He put in a lot of hard work. But he's, he's proof that there's no reason to, to think that whatever you're doing, if you're going to dedicate yourself to it, and you're going to work on it, there's no reason you're not going to find some level of success. And in his case, and in Farmville's case, these, these are cases that people found an extreme amount of success. And Arnold, you know, he's, he's had multiple deals. You know, he apparently is really big into real estate. He has, when he first started, he didn't buy a house. When he first came to America, he had no money. When he first came to America, he didn't buy a house. His first thing he bought was an apartment building. So he, what he did was he studied real estate in the area, in, in California, and he figured out what he needed to do to get the loan to afford an apartment building and it had six units. And what his concept was is I'll live in one of these units and I'll rent out the other five and that'll be enough money to take care of the apartment building and then he won't have to pay rent basically. Um, and it worked out for him, you know, but that's a, that's a wild dream. It was a big, big risk for him to take. 
but he worked really hard. He saved up the money, and he, he did what he had to do to make sure he can get that apartment building. And he studied a whole lot about it. He said he would come home, and he'd work out every day. He would read the trades. He read all the deals in real estate. So you definitely you see a lot of these examples of people who just kind of stick to what they're doing. And I saw that with Gary Vee recently. They had it all ties together. Gary Vee was recently talking to Steve Harvey. I saw a clip about this. And he was talking about how a lot of times people have ideas. And I'm, I definitely fall into this category of people who sometimes have ideas. And they say, oh, I have an idea to go and make an app, right? But you don't know anything about making apps, right? So you, you decide you want to go make an app. You start investing time into learning how to make an app and doing this whole other thing. But what he talked about was something you're probably good at. And if you focus on what you're good at and some way to sell that thing that you're good at and just getting better at what you're good at, then you can then turn that into a business. You can be an entrepreneur that way. And But not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is a person who wants to chase money. They want to make deals. They want to take whatever it is they're doing and make money off of it. Some people like the security of working a 9-to-5 job. Sometimes they want to have a 9-to-5 job and have a little side hustle. And that's fine, too. But you got to think about what you really love to do. I know for me, it's writing, right? I love writing. I love the podcast. Um, you know, again, if I sound bad this week, I'm really sorry because I don't feel well. <laughs> I'm pretty sick. And I just thought, no, I have to record the podcast. I got to put up another podcast this week um, because it matters to me. It really does. Even if it doesn't matter to anyone else, it's a big deal to me. Um, and I love doing it. This is actually, I'm actually feeling a little bit better as I'm recording because, um, yeah, just being kind of down and out and not having that great of a week because I'm not feeling well. Um, everyone in my house isn't feeling well. So there's been a lot of that going on. And, but still, I'm like, I like to record the podcast. I like to listen to the podcast. I like to upload it. And I'm currently working on a YouTube channel. Right now, I'm designing a logo. And these are all things that are just really fun for me to do. I, I can get lost in all these things. I can record videos all day. I can edit all day. Uh, I can now, now I can draw all day. I, I, drew, I drew this logo that you guys will see for the podcast and for my other channels. And it was surprising to me that I sat down and drew it. And everyone who's seen it had really positive reactions. But I've been trying to learn how to draw for about three or four years. And that would be something, I guess, that Gary Vee would look at. You say, hey, you know, why did you get into drawing? But I know for me, I love it. I've always loved doodling. And I, and I love art. I can stare at pictures for hours. I love beautiful pictures. Um, but I never had a mentor or someone, you know, young, early in my life say, hey, let me sit down and show you um, the language of art, right? How to draw, what these lines mean, how these lines need to be spaced together, why a line has a curve, why a line is thick and then becomes, and then becomes like thin. Um, it took me a long time to, to learn all these things from all these different teachers online and pursue it. And if I would have done it when I was, you know, 14, 15, I would have been, you ever want to know that I'm a, I'm a person who draws pictures, right? I've actually, out of all the things I've done, I've sold a picture. I sold a logo for a company um, in the most recent years. That's probably the last deal I did that actually brought home some money. And I haven't sold any books or anything like that yet. So that's, again, became something that I could do. But, but I think what his point is, is that you love doing it. If you love making apps, if you love researching apps, if you try it out, and you can come home and you can do it all day. That's where you're going to have a chance for success. If you're tired from your job and you got to come home and do something you don't really like to do, then you're not going to do it. He talks about selling like pies. He's like, yeah, if you come home and you like baking um, and that's something you could do all night, you can bake all night, then that should be your business because you're going to do it even when you're tired. And if you have a business where you're not going to be able to do it when you're tired, where you're not going to be able to do it when you're not doing good, um, then don't do it. <laughs> and now I think about it in the podcast, right? I'm sick. 
And I'm like, nah, I got to record the podcast. This episode, I think, will be uploaded about two hours late, which is disappointing. Um, and I don't apologize for that, but I overslept because I'm sick. So, but still, I think positive energy going forward. There's a lot of good things to talk about this week. Another one is I got to try out the Peloton app. Now, the Peloton app, I was under the impression it was only for people who had their treadmill or their bikes. But apparently, they have an app. Uh, right now, if you sign up, you get two free months, and then after that, it's $15 a month. And I actually think that's an incredible value, right? Because I went on the app, I signed up, and I was immediately impressed. I've tried a lot of these other apps that people have made, and there's a few things that they don't have. Number one, they don't have smart TV support. I do not understand how in this day and age, if you have an app that streams video, I can't go on my Roku, I can't go on my Amazon and find your app so I can watch it, the same way I watch Netflix and Hulu. What are you doing? It, it can't be an impossible process. This is my big gripe with Udemy. I love Udemy. Um, I, I don't know how much money I've put into Udemy over the years, and it's, it's an extremely valuable tool. Um, but I have to always watch it off my tablet. And for things where I'm writing, a lot of times I write on my tablet for things where I'm drawing. I draw on my tablet. So watching the video on my tablet and trying to do the work on my tablet is not ideal. Um, if I put it on my phone, the phone is a very small screen. So I'm watching the video on my phone while trying to draw on my tablet. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a good quality. So then I have to have another computer nearby. So the computer monitor, that's the best scenario. If I could be at a desk with a computer monitor and have my tablet, that works. But that's not always the ideal setup. I'm not always in a place where I can be on a computer. So TVs, TVs are everywhere, right? And they're big. So if I'm going to watch someone draw, for example, I want to see the detail. I want to see that big. I want to be able to casually throw that up on the TV and do what I have to do. Same thing with workout apps. I see a lot of workout apps on the iPad. And then you're doing your exercise, your iPad's on the floor, you're like twisting your neck trying to figure out what the exercise is based on what you're doing. It's just not ideal. So immediately when I get on the Peloton app, I find out they have a, a smart TV app. And I put it on my phone, I put it on the TV, and when you jump in, it makes complete sense. They have these little icons that show you cardio, power, yoga, meditation, bike, treadmill. That's it. And then when you go there, you can filter beginner, intermediate, or advanced. That's it. Right, And then they have live classes that are streaming all day long, which then become part of their ever-growing archive of infinite workout videos. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't find a single fault about it, right? So um, I did some of their cardio exercises, their HIIT exercises, and they're intense. I, I like running. I've been running. I run for about an hour, um, hour and a half sometimes. But their HIIT exercises, I found that at least during the winter, maybe because I'm not sweating so much in the cold, that on average, I actually burn about 100 calories more doing HIIT exercises inside the home than I do with long-distance running right now. Um, and probably because, you know, it's just really cold. When I was long-distance running during the summer, I could get up to about 1,000, um, 1,100 calories sometimes. But right now, maybe because, again, maybe because it's cold, I'm not running hard enough, um, I'm not having that same success. However, the Peloton app has offered me um, a way to pivot and try something else while I'm indoors. So for everybody out there, which I think is all of us, right, we all want to stay a little in shape. Um, and they had a lot of fun new exercises i never even seen, very simple things. You require no equipment. And, yeah, I just turn on my TV. I actually move the app. If you have a Roku, I move the app so it's like the first app I see. I click on it, hit play, stand up, 
and now you're working out. It's just, there's just no resistance. There's no barrier of entry there. Um, and I find it to be a very, very useful tool, especially for days where you're looking at the cold and you don't want to go out in the cold or something like that, or you don't want to go on a long run. Um, used to, you know, every day consistently get a little exercise in with the app on your TV. I, I, I don't see myself canceling it. I think it's going to be, um, some, I've already used it daily. And I think it's going to be something that I really enjoy using, which makes me want to then buy into the brand. One day, get the bike, get the treadmill. I probably would want the treadmill. I know my wife wants the bike. Um, and I love that. I love investing in a company that knows it's going to grow with me, right? That's why I'm always a big, big advocate for Epic Games and Fortnite. And I always talk about those things because I respect the business and a brand that looks at their customers and wants them, them to grow with their product. Uh, people look at that sometimes as a negative thing. Like, all oh, these guys are just trying out to get your money and they're making all this stuff. But I, I'm like, no, if I pay $10 for something, I want to see that grow. I don't want to spend a bunch of money on something and then they throw it away. Like, I bought Watchdog Legions from Ubisoft. And Ubisoft is another powerful company that I wish would just kind of, you know, go all the way with their stuff. And they constantly do this thing where Watchdog Legions is a very unique game. There's not many games like it. And after about a year, they don't support it anymore. So you buy the game for $60. Maybe you buy the season pass. I think their season pass was like $30, $40. I waited for it to go on sale. Um, and then by then, since I was waiting for the sale, because it was such a big ask for, I think financially, $100 for a game, basically. I waited for it to go on sale. By a year later, I wasn't even into it that much because I wasn't. I beat the main content of the game. Then I'm waiting for this in-between period, just looking for a sale. So I'm not playing the game, really, because I'm waiting for this extra online thing they're going to add. I moved on to other stuff. And then by the time I actually got the season pass, I think I played it once or twice, and I was over it. And they, they also I was over it because they I heard they pulled support. So now they're working on the next Watch Dogs or whatever. And I think that's really disappointing. You know, why... why um, make this game, when I first saw it, they had the online store set up like Fortnite. So you see that they looked at Fortnite and they said, okay, well now they're, they're a gimmick. If you don't know what Watch Dogs Legions is, it's an open world game like Grand Theft Auto. Um, the difference is you can recruit any character in the game, any person walking on the street, any cop, anybody can be recruited to your rebellion, which is pretty cool. There's something like 4 million unique characters in the game and they have different abilities and powers and stuff. So, like, oh, that's different than Grand Theft Auto. And I thought that was a smart move because no one can go toe-to-toe with Grand Theft Auto. You're, you're not going to do it. Again, they, they have more money than, than Rockefeller, right? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. Like, it's, they, they have the budget to make these insane games. So go different. Don't, don't go there. Don't go where it's crowded, right? Go where it's not crowded. So make up your own kind of open-world game. And they had this unique concept. I said, okay, that's, that's number one. That's a good idea. And since it's online and it's a crazy kind of futuristic world, you can have bright, vibrant, interesting characters. You can make any kind of characters. They had characters like a magician, a magician that's like a hitman, right? Um, they had a guy that was like John Wick, right? They had a, you can even play as like a, a grandma or a grandpa. Um, and they would move differently because they're older. It was like, this is fun. This, I don't know what to expect next. And then they had an online source set up where besides the season pass, they're going to sell cosmetics. And they had bright, futuristic outfits, and they were kind of expensive. But I'm like, okay, this is going to fund your community, and you guys are going to make, like, the number two version of Fortnite, right? They probably won't take over Fortnite, but you're going to have an interesting kind of game um, that's, that's pretty much like Fortnite. Nope, they didn't do that at all. So instead of having skins come out and different cosmetics or different kinds of characters you could buy, it was just the original content they had planned, and after a year, they stopped making it. So I guess with them, their business model is always just moving on to another game. Or maybe Watch Dogs Legions didn't have many people playing it. 
But I thank you. It doesn't have that many people playing it because you have to invest. You have to stick to it and develop it. I know Fortnite is a great example. When I think their first year they were out, they didn't even have a season pass, right? But they kept it. They stuck to it. Then they developed it. And they came up with the season pass. And they came up with having the skins and making skins so often that every single day at 7 p.m. there's new content to go look at. It's constantly interesting. And then even with them adding their creative mode, every single day, new kids are uploading new creative maps with different kinds of game types they've invented. Um, it, it just never ends. Every day you turn on Fortnite, and it's free. You, there's no barrier of entry to get into Fortnite. It's completely free. And if you go in there and spend money, it's completely optional, right? Um, I just, again, I, I see no fault with their business model. And every, I think it's every four months, they completely change the game. They add a whole new theme to it. It just keeps evolving. So when you're purchasing these things and you're unlocking these things in your game, you know that this is probably not going to go anywhere, ever. It's going to keep on going. And their Creative 2.0 that they're coming out with is going to finally allow people to write their own code into the game, which is going to be phenomenal. So like when you talk about Fortnite in a year from now, or maybe two years from now, you might be talking about a game more like The Sims, more like an RPG, where someone went in there and they made a whole world where you can live and have relationships with people because you can write your own code now. And you see these examples in games like Skyrim and Fallout where kids are modifying the games. They're using code to basically turn the game into whatever they want. And everyone plays Fortnite. It's such a big amount of people playing Fortnite. So with niche games like Skyrim, which is very successful, but not it doesn't have, I think, the same mass appeal that you could say that a game like Fortnite has. Imagine if all the kids are sitting down trying to think about a way, all the best kids, I guess, all the kids interested in coding, are sitting down trying to come up with different ways to play Fortnite. I it's I can't be more excited about what the next year or two holds, not just for Fortnite, but just gaming in general. Because if you have a generation of kids that are about to be raised on their ability to have the option to code games right from like their, their main console, right from their, their um you know, their main way of playing. What kind of kids are you going to have in 10 years where coding, just like math or, or language arts, right? It's like history, social studies. Coding is something that's very understood. It's something that's very common. People will, will be having conversations and problems in their home and say, oh, I wish this did this. I'll go just write some code for it. And for us, when we get older, we might look at the younger generation. And that might be weird to us. But again, it's just like learning another language or learning another thing. And in their society, if that's the thing that they do, if that becomes a big thing, then I think Epic is such a in a position to really influence the generation. And all of this going into the metaverse, you know, which we talked about before, it's just a really bright future. And when I talk to people, and, and they're, I, I'm talking to them, I'm trying to get them excited about this future. Because there's going to be so many different things you could do and forms of entertainment that you can interact with. Um, it's just something that I, I just can't be more passionate about. Um, the last thing I'll touch on before we wrap up the podcast this week, I'm going to keep this one kind of short, mainly because I don't know how great I sound, and I don't want you guys listening to me sound horrible for half an hour or for an hour. Um, it's just different things we're doing with the Chrome Reality. So the Chrome Reality, my first book, I'm working on it right now, it's, get, it's progressing pretty good. Um, it's called Welcome to Neo Chrome City, and it follows three characters that are coming to, picture, picture if you would, like Elon Musk. He, he's, I think, Elon Musk is the best example of someone who is you know, like the Tony Stark of our world, right? Um, actually, my son was recently watching all the Marvel movies, and I realized Elon Musk is an Iron Man too, which is really funny, right? Because that makes sense that he bump into Tony Stark and they have mad respect for each other. Um, but I always believe in our real world that at some point, someone's going to make a city, right? Like we make cars, 
We make apps. We make things. I think with real estate and technology, eventually someone's going to try to make an amazing city. And there were some rumors that Elon Musk was going to try to do this in Texas. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but he probably could if that's what he wanted to do. But I believe that is going to create a whole new... I think a big problem for us is that our cities are old. Our cities are based off of old um, architecture. And everything that you want to improve can't be that drastically improved, especially if it's like one person building a building, um, then the government has you know, plans to make a new highway. It's not enough. But you look at these giant companies who are doing things like buying a farm bill for $13 billion. At some point, it's going to reach a critical mass where they can build cities. They could build experiences like Disney World, right? I know Universal has a new theme park they're opening called Epic. I think it's four times bigger than any other theme park in Florida. That's, that's incredible. That's practically a city, right? Even though you're paying to get in. So with their hotels and everything they have there, I could see someone saying, hey, let's make something where it's going to be a city where people actually can come live here and have these different experiences. They work here. And that money that they use, they spend on our products. So Welcome to Neo Chrome City is basically about that. It's what if you wanted to rebuild New York or start over, make a new New York. Um, and we follow these two different characters that have these different issues when they go to the city. The one character is going to the city because um, they want to get um, augmented. They want to get a cybernetic arm, right? And I, I picture that story being like the same time you go to your parents and you want to get a piercing or a tattoo. I believe in the future it's going to be that commonplace where sometimes you're going to have a kid who's going to come to you and ask you something drastic. And as we get older, we'll have to ask ourselves, you know, what does that really mean to us to let our kids modify their bodies to that extent? Um, I saw this one scientist that was talking about this, and he was saying that over the next 20 years, basically, we're going to be keep on developing AI and making AI as great as possible um, because the Internet is kind of at, at its critical mass right now. The Internet is not going to have leaps of improvements, just small improvements at this point because we kind of figured out the Internet pretty well. Um, but the next thing is AI, and then he's saying after that, it's going to become enhancing our bodies with cybernetics. And I'm like, that's a bold prediction. But looking at everything, the way it's going, seeing some of the technologies already out there, I don't see anything you know wrong with that prediction. I think that's something that's going to be very realistic to think that in the future, people are going to find other ways to start modifying their body. And it's going to be like an Amazon Alexa, right? The first year or two, it'd probably be small things. Um, you know, he's he, a good thing, example he explained was we've kind of already modified our bodies externally, right? Our smartphones are extensions of ourselves at this point, right? So they're not physically inside of us. But they're constantly on us. They're just kind of an extension of our hand. I think sometimes you're like, you can actually feel when you don't have your phone on you um, or you, you pick up your phone. It might feel a little different. The weight might feel different if your battery's not charged all the way. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I noticed that when I pick up my phone if the battery's not charged. Um, so now we have the ability to have access to the internet and all this information in our phone all the time. Um, so... If you take away the one barrier of, well, sometimes you don't have a phone or sometimes you have to interact with the phone the way you interact with it. If you can figure out a way to make you interact with it without having to, you know, as if you sat there and said, well, I wonder how many you know, calories are in a chicken breast. And your brain just looked it up and just displayed the information for you on some kind of HUD above your eyes. That might sound like science fiction, but there's technology right now people are working on that to do similar things. And they're saying in 20 more years from now, that technology is going to be very well developed, very well refined. Um, and I, I think that um, that's something that we're going to look at. I'll be what? At that, at that point, I'll be in my 50s. So my kid would be like 26, right? So she'll miss it maybe because she won't be like in that teenage stage. But as, as our kids get older, 
when they start to deal with age, lower back problems and stuff like that, this is going to be 30, 40 years in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a more commonplace thing to go get some kind of enhancement to your body. Um, and that's one of the main stories that's going on in Neochrome. The other one that I'm working on is a story that follows. Um, he's basically a vampire, right? But not a vampire the way we think about vampires. In, in my story, I have a longer, deeper background as to how vampires are created. It's more of a scientific thing. And if you look at these people, you would just consider them like vampires. So it's kind of like when you look at True Blood. True Blood kind of approach vampires differently. Um, and that's the way I'm looking at with, with Neochrome, basically. So he's, he works in the government, and people think that he's a terrorist because he's a vampire. But he's actually there to stop another terrorist that is coming to destroy the city because I think with all this technology, people are going to have a backlash to it. Some people are not going to like these concepts. So I could see if you try to build some kind of future utopian city, some people thinking that's going too far, and that's, that's the main villain. He's going he's gonna to think that. He's going to say, I'm, we're going to come to the city. We're not going to let you guys do this. We're going to destroy your city. And that's with the other character, Mitchell. He's a vampire, and he works for the government. And people think that he's a terrorist because the other people who've been infected with this vampire-like disease, they all are basically you know, the new minority group in America. Um, and he's there representing, you know, he's still a patriot because he's, he grew up in the military, but now he has this problem where he's a vampire too. So I think that shows an interesting story. Like a cap, like what if Captain America was a vampire, right? What if Captain America belonged to a minority group or someone that was currently being persecuted, right? Um, if we had something like that, we had mutants or vampires, I do think we would always have negative responses to them. So I like his character a lot. He's a very fun character to write because he still believes in the concept of America, but he's also dealing with all these negative things because of his, his condition. And then finally, the last character that I'm working on, now I'm trying to think about it actually. Hold on. Give me a second here. I had to take a sip of water. My throat is killing me. Um, but the last character I'm working on is a character called Bit Jackson, and he's basically the son of Elon Musk type of character um, called Mega Bit Jackson. And he represents to me, you know, the existential crisis that we all face sometimes with what does all this technology mean to our souls and our spirits, right? Um, what does it mean to be in a world where you possibly could have a digitized version of yourself? I remember seeing this technology in, in a game called Tekken, when when you play the game, the game watches how you play. And then when you're not home, people, your friends, can pull up your character and play against you because they recorded all the possible ways that you move. You know, when do you jump? In what situations do you jump? When do you kick or whatever? And this technology is super old. But already, they were, they were coming up with different AI that could help people play with their friends when their friends weren't around. Because if you're online and you're playing with your friend online, besides having a voice chat, if you're not voice chatting, you're just fighting against them and you might realize how they fight. So that was something they were working on 10 years ago. So thinking about if you can categorize everything in a person's life and you can make a digital version of them, what does that mean to our souls? Black Mirror talked a lot about this. They had an episode where they talked about the concept of when you die, you would stay alive in a sense as like having a copy of yourself in their world. I know some people love the idea. They thought, oh, that's cool. You can live forever. I remember thinking, well, I don't know if that's real because maybe you can't live forever, right? Like if you physically die, do you not die? Or is it just your conscious? Like would you not know that you died because your conscious is still alive in this game? It's kind of a creepy thing to consider. And then you don't really know until someone does it, right? I guess the, the, the computer avatar would tell you, oh, no, look, I'm fine. I'm alive. 
but the other person's dead, so they can't tell you what it what it what it felt like to them, or if that's even a real concept. If someone copies yourself into a digital world, do you do you still go into that world, or do you stay out of it? And Bit Jackson, he's he's in this place where his father's making this city, and all this technology has happened, but he's on the two sides of the you know the terrorist who wants to destroy the city. You know, he kind of understands. He understands why maybe this stuff is going too far. But at the same time, he wants to believe in and support his father. Um, and they all basically are going to this grand opening of the city. And there, all three characters will eventually mix and meet up. And you'll start to see how that whole thing goes. So it's a short story to kind of introduce the world, to introduce some of these concepts. And then I'm going to start doing short stories off of each of those. So that's the last thing I want to talk about this week. Just letting you guys know that that progress is going good. Hoping that I can get something published maybe by summertime. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes and, you know, keeping on our, I have a new logo coming out for the podcast soon. So yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Um, again, you know, sorry if I don't sound great, I'm definitely under the weather, but I really wanted to put this out there for everyone that I see to come as listens every week. And, you know, hopefully you guys got some value out of it, right? You guys have a great day. Take care. Peace.